This is the second part of Avery and I's discussion of Holly Whitaker's Quit Like a Woman and Alan Carr's uh, The Easy Way to Control Alcohol. Um, we talked for a really long time in one session, and I noticed that as our caffeine wore off and we got a little bit um, more tired and kind of chill, the conversation took a really interesting turn. So we decided to separate this into its own. I hope you enjoy. Like I started saying, fuck the patriarchy after all this. <laughs> I don't know where the patriarchy lives exactly. I, I, I kept, people keep talking about cisgendered white guys. I don't know how different it feels to be a cis, like, I don't know how, what it feels to be like to be you. Right. And I'm sure there's things about being a woman that feel very different, but I don't really feel that. Like, I feel like it's pretty hard to be a human right now. Any well, I human. think that it's extremely hard, one, to be a human, and two, it's it's not like a, an overt thing that you can uh, attack. And I think that's the hardest part about it is that, it you know, people talk about microaggressions and all the little things. And there are tons and tons of things, just even like the fact that if I ever get my ass up at five o'clock in the morning and go running around our neighborhood, um, I'm going to feel completely comfortable doing that. Whereas Nicole is not going to feel comfortable doing that without some pepper spray. Uh, it's just like little things that are baked into our very existence that we can't necessarily put our finger on immediately without a whole mm. lot of thought. So it's, it's, it's everywhere and it's nowhere. And that's what's hard about it. Mm-hmm. Is that it's, um, and it's we're something, all in it. Right. That, that even women are, are in it, contributing right. to it, part of it. Like trying to fight back on one level even as we are, you know, perpetuating it. It's like having gum stuck on your shoe. Right. I mean, but I feel like we're, we're rising up in this really awesome way. But I, I think there's actually a lot of, you know, pain that is common to human experience. Right. That we, well, and and think- that we need to have communities that reach across those, you know, walls that we're putting up in between one another. I think for myself, and I'm sure that many people would disagree with me because everything can be disagreed with, but I think that taking a, a human approach and understanding that we're not going to understand everybody and we're not going to be able to relate to everything that everyone says, and that's okay, but still attempting to make our existence better than it was yesterday and being kind and gentle and loving to everyone that we meet, whether or not we understand them or if we completely agree with the way they live their lives, I think that's so much more important in dismantling these systems that are inherent to our lives than trying to be, quote, woke and reading all of the right books and understanding all of the right things. Right. Because even that like has become such a crazy gatekeeping thing. Like if you're, I know the words. I can't. I don't even know what gaslighting means. I'm like, I can't even keep up with all the terminology. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I had to, once gaslighting became part of the, what does it mean? The lexicon. It's the idea that you are using the situation and um, painting it in the light that you want to have. So. Um, so you're making it look better because gaslight. Like you're like not not exactly better, but like in the sense that like you know if. Um, if you and I are constantly arguing about things and I'm telling you that the reason that um, we can never get along is because you're, you're too irritable, 
or, you know, mm-hmm. you haven't had enough coffee or you're this, this, this mm-hmm. and putting the reason that we have this disagreement on you. Okay. That's, that's the gaslighting. It's like, I'm, or, or like the really shitty apology. Right. Like, like I'm, 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 I'm really sorry that you overreacted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's defining the narrative in, in the way that like, um, my position is unassailable and you are the broken one who messed it all up. I just don't know when we got, I think some words have been really powerful to have. Like I love the mansplaining and I love, some, but That's I feel great. like there's also all these term terms that are so related to the internet and to parsing ourselves off and to judging and labeling everything mm-hmm. that I also think there is a piece of, there is a, anger is an important part. It can be really righteous in change. Mm -hmm. It is a phase in change though. If you get stuck in anger, you get stuck in anger. It's not the final step. The final step is forgiveness and love, right? And I just feel like me too right now is stuck in anger and that it can't be left here. We have to move forward. I'm not saying forgive necessarily yet, but I just feel like we're we're a little bit like stuck in a gear and I felt like I maybe have glossed over my need to be more angry about some of this stuff. Right. I mean, I have been angry, but like but to really feel the wound that's there going with many things that have happened to me in life as a woman that I have probably been so set on not wanting to feel like a victim that I haven't right I haven't touched in with that tender place right 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 because you don't want it to identify as the victim and mm-hmm. so it's like well no fuck that yeah I, I think that we don't necessarily need to um like go to like a place of like let's forgive everyone it's more like let's quit accepting this as the norm mm-hmm. let's not be okay with um the the, the horribleness of it all you know like it's never okay to violate another person you know how about we accept that but then not be like running around like you know the police going well you did this and you did that and you did this like but more all of us together coming together going yeah that's really fucked up let's not do that anymore well and, and like still listening like still listening to both sides of things because mm-hmm. sometimes there is another side and and I feel like we, we. I feel like there needs to be a movement onto the higher levels. Basically, I mean, I think it's also different when I have a lot of people experience this the most in the workplace, right? And mm-hmm. as a boss, that's a chick. Like you have a completely different relationship with it. Right. Like I have all these different things that I know, like these workarounds and things that I know that I'm dealing with that a man wouldn't be dealing with in terms of how I have to make try to get people to do things. Right. Like there are all these these corrections that I'm making that I probably don't even realize. Right. Absolutely. But but it's also like when I go talk to someone, when someone I'm, I am the oppressor in their eyes. Like I'm the boss. I like, so, I mean, not, I'm not an oppressive boss, but in general, (laughs) I'm the patriarchy. No, but yeah, you are the absolute say on that given subject. So look, I had a a dishwasher. uh, He, he, sweet guy in the Kirky. But just said the crazy, I, I was in the middle of a shift. I didn't have time to really slow down, but it, it, he somehow said the most sexist thing to me, not like sexual, not like anything about how I looked, but just very sexist about, I can't even explain. It was so weird. I, I, I can't decide how to handle it because I can't decide if it's worth it for me to go back and make him feel like <laughs> shit for something that maybe he didn't even mean. And I'm his boss and 
you right. know. Right. So there's all kinds of different levels of exactly where do we take this? Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's just a genuine, like, these are the kind of conundrums that I'm up against where there's like, it's not so simple, you know? No, it's, it's not. Because well, like, it's like, we're both, like, he, he said something like, he was worried about me because I was, usually I'm all high energy happy and then I got, I was pretty, just, I was just distracted and stressed about a couple of things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you okay, Aaron? And I'm like, yeah, I just got a lot of plate on my, got a lot of my plate right now. And he said something like, time to get the man to help out or just something like time. You need a man maybe Ooh. to do more like get Jeff to do more. I'm like, Jeff, first of all, is a full-time architect, but it was basically <laughs> like, I just needed a man to bail me out. Well, of course. Yeah. Because you weren't good enough on your own. Yeah. And, and I, I swear to God, I think like I, I, it was so uh, surprising that I didn't even know, like, and I was right in the middle of shift, yeah. but it was like, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Right. So, and I'm sure that it came from a well-meaning place. Like, mm-hmm. You're a person in, you know, who's tired and pain. Like, you need some help. Uh-huh. But the way that it comes out is not like, you know, one, how can I take some things off your plate? How could I do something for you? Oh, yeah, you just need a man. That's all you need. And I think and It's I, like you need a screwdriver. I, <laughs> like, I think I'm just going to... I think I'm going to say something just because it's eating at me a little bit. I I'm would. just going to be like, you can't, like, just... But at the same time, it's like, I have 200 employees. Um, I Like, I'm in a position of much, much greater power than he is vis-a-vis our company. Right. It, 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 but you know what this reminds me of? It but, reminds me of that guy um, who came in trying to be a rep and talking about how, uh, you know, look out, woman on the phone, it's dangerous. And that was, like, I just started the company. I was like... You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, yeah, when I was on the phone in the office. And those yeah. are the kind of things that you deal with daily, mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem. Like, that is the patriarchy right there, mm-hmm. um, constantly being I a just problem. don't know how much I want to spend my energy on it. Like, it's like, it's you know what I mean? Like, feeling right. constantly slighted. I, I, just... I also don't feel like you have to. Like, mm-hmm. from my, uh, my personal belief is that, like, that's also part of the problem is then feeling like you have to constantly acknowledge or call it out and deal with it. Because that's also a huge burden to bear. Mm-hmm. Like, we should all be looking out for those things and attempting to change them and dealing with each other as humans rather than just in, engaged in this this silly battle. Like, I feel like the battlefield has to change. Mm-hmm. And all of us need to be better about just being good to each other. Yeah, man. And I feel like... I feel like if there's a, a piece of being a woman that's painful it's how much it's the it's how much we're expected to behave and maybe act a certain way but also and maybe that's hard being being expected to be a mother for people when I'm like you know and I do have a more maternal attitude but at the same time I'm not your mom you know right and it's also hard because you know on my from my perspective I've never had to deal with that I've never had to look at like um what that would even mean because it's not asked of me. So a lot of those kind of struggles, I won't know because I've never been asked to be in that position. Whereas so many other people are in that position and know it so much more than I do. Well, I think sometimes you are asked to be, like I, I wrote in this, I was like, Jeff's more maternal than I am. And he is. I think that you, you know, you're kind of like right now, vinaigrettes. Oh, Sadie. Sadie's gonna <laughs> eat Jeff's face. I'm scared. <laughs> See what I mean? He's like, yeah. Sadie likes Jeff way more than me. He's got he's got way more chill. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's Receptive energy. Yeah. Who can make her not eat my face? That's for sure. 
Anyways, it allowed me, this book gave me the, felt like I, I could look at some things that I've maybe not been allowing myself to consider, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, it was just powerful in that sense. Also, I didn't agree with all of it, but, but I felt like, yeah, man, fuck the patriarchy, you know? I felt like that was the power of this book, is mm-hmm. that it allowed you to disagree with points. The messiness allowed you to look at the message in the context of your own life, and it made so much more sense. It was the cleanliness of car that threw me off about it, because immediately I was like, well, this doesn't relate to my life, so I'm not down with this. Whereas hers, I was like, yeah, this is... But she spends a lot of money on stuff. I mean, that was the only other little thing I was like... You know, the people that we deal with, right? That we're trying to help right now. Right. Not drink themselves silly. Right. Cannot afford many of the things that she's suggesting. Oh, no, like all the things... And she's all about, like, we need to fix our broken fucking system because these people can't get access to the help that they need. Right. Right? When she's talking about a solo backpack trip to, you know, wherever... And um, and therapy and high like there's this there's all of that's like cha ching cha ching cha ching cha ching. Yeah. I was you know, like, well that's never happening for any of these people. I mean no, it's, it's really just gonna take a th- six months on a backpack. And trip. what do you do? Like restaurants have such a culture of just over drinking and a part of it is that thing that she's talking about not getting yourself worked up. The shift is so intense, man. There's just so much energy. Like cause I've been man- managing again and I haven't in a long time. I forgot just how much energy is passing through you so that takes some serious work to be to let it just pass through and not get just amped up to the because it's you are in a stimulated fight or flight response for three hours during a busy shift Mm -hmm. and and it's like a million details and you're managing everyone's emotions who's that hobby that was hobby damn hobby's going fast yeah Uh, yeah that's one of the hardest parts is realizing that you are, you need to let it all just pass through you because if you don't, it'll eat you alive. I mean, I think that's why I'm getting like, when I, one of the things she talks about is, and we can start wrapping up here. We'll go on forever. I, that's I was like, I don't know <laughs> if we're going to be able to do this in one. Cause there was so much in this book. Yeah, it's great. But I think for me, when I first opened Vinny, I was there all day, every day. And I am an introvert. She she's an extrovert, and she talks about how embrace your introvert. Introvert is part of recovery, right? And I feel like I had to um, drinking for me when I first opened the restaurant, and I was just blown out, way past my normal needs for for the cave, for the recharge, right? For my inward self time, alcohol allowed me to just steamroll over those standards. Like, yeah. and to just, you know, stay 18 hours a day, I'd, you know, I'd just start having a glass of wine at five and I would stay until close. So I'd be there from, you know, 10 until close every night, completely not. And I had to, or I felt I had to at that time. Right. And, but I was also in a different phase of my life, whereas like, I've got to find out how to, how to react with these businesses now. Because it's almost like I've been hi- I had been hiding for a while because I had so much been out in this outward place that it was just like I have changed and it right. doesn't fit that that engagement with with the restaurants which are highly social and they're so lovely but I have to have enough time for myself too right. and for me that's alone time cave time inward time and alcohol for me was a long was definitely a way of 
of blowing past those normal standards. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like I've done that in many places in my life where taking stock and recharging didn't seem possible at the time, but you can totally mitigate it by getting drunk and then you're still at this place where it's like, well... It just I'm, makes everyone more social, like... Yeah, when you're, you're also disengaging your mind. Like, your mind is floating out of your body and all of the problems that you felt in your sober mind disappear, so... I like Alan Carr on that one a little bit, too. He talked yeah. about, like, maybe our inhibitions are a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I did like that. That was good. <laughs> you know, like, they exist for a reason. Yeah. And if you think about, like, we think, oh, our inhibitions and our inhibitions. and But then when you listen to a drunk person and you're not drunk, they just sound so like a blunt instrument. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Like, we are kind of defined by our inhibitions. That's what kind of makes us nuanced and subtle. And there's something yeah. about having none that makes everyone seem like the same drunk person. Yeah. And well, that's another... Alan Carr is pretty good at describing funny drunkenness. Yeah. Well, and I think that that can be said... The same can be said for the tech and the way that we use it is, again, cutting our inhibitions away and everyone just sounds like the same bullshit person hammering the same point. And it doesn't matter who they are or what they are. Like, I, I quit going to uh, Facebook because the same friends who used to be really interesting, nuanced individuals, I can expect the same kind of drama from each one of them. I know, man. I'm freaking out on that. Like, I'm talking to people and I'm like, I can, I can literally hear your preference bubble in what you're saying right now. Yeah. Like, you know, the Bernie people, I can hear the Bernie litanies. And I mean, I guess that's always been it, but it's gotten so more hyper-focused that people are just swimming, just bathing in this very tailored preference bubble from Google News, from Facebook, from their news feed, where they're just getting, they don't seem like articulated humans anymore. Yeah. Um, no, everyone has chosen their team flag and they're running with it, but nobody's interested in actually investigating anything having differing opinions and I guess it goes back to that whole thing where differing opinions are dangerous but there there isn't any conversation anymore you're either Buttigieg or you're Bernie or you're Trump it doesn't matter who you've just picked your brand you're going with the brand and the conversation's over mm-hmm. and I think that that's the saddest part about the yeah like I can hear a fury on some you know and I'm not anti-Bernie. I'm just, I just hear something in some Bernie supporters that sounds a lot like the, the a weaponized liberal attitude that sounds a lot like the Trump supporters just on the other side. Right. Well, and I think that's happening to everyone. And that's what scares me about our current political climate is that it's all weaponized. It's all little silly talking points. Nobody really understands the system that they're even talking about. And no one cares to. Yeah. And that's what's scary. Yeah. And again, a lot... Oh, Sadie. Sadie Sadie agrees. Yeah. A lot of the tech is getting into that, you know, we're using it with a serious addictive dopamine loop, which is those, you know, those lower brain centers. Yeah. And then we're... So we're using all that anger and fear and fury, and then we're trying to use that as a platform for higher discourse. And I just, right. I just, you know, and, and also like no one has, I'm so glad we're doing this because we read books. Like people need to read books in order to be an educated, like electorate. Mm-hmm. Like I, you cannot get all your information from a screen. It's like a totally different way of receiving information. Like, and so many people 
think it's like a waste of time or a frivolousness to even read books now. And yeah. that's just crazy. Absolutely. I think it's really horrible. And I, I think I was talking to Chips about it. I was just like, doing this is so exciting for me because it's forcing me back into that like reading mode because I realized that over the course of my life, I started out reading a ton. That's all I ever did. And then I slowly just moved away from that and forcing that ritual of reading back into my life is awesome. Like, you know, maybe three years ago, I finished a single book in a year. Like, that was unheard I of. I went through a major non-reading and then the last, yeah, I know. And the thing that I've realized, like reading is an escape in a way into another person's mindset, into another person's story, into another world Some in some cases. Yeah. But when I stop reading and go to bed at night, I can go to bed. I've noticed that if I've been firing away on emails and sh- the internet all night and then I try to go to bed and I'm tired, I cannot turn my brain off. No. It's like it's got my brain going so much faster than I can really handle that my brain almost feels like a projector. It's mm-hmm. just starts, it, it feels like the internet. It's just jumping randomly between a million different points. Right. And I don't feel in control of it. No, and, and they're I often can't, scary. I know. And it's just it's just so fast and furious. And I'm also more angry. Like mm-hmm. I start getting randomly pissed at everyone that works for me. Like right. I'll be like just mad. Right. And 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 it's all it's at you know, eleven at night when there's absolutely nothing there's I nothing can, do, can about do about it. But if yeah. you've ever gotten a mad email from me at that know that right. that's what's going on. Well no, <laughs> I understand <laughs> that happens to me too. I'll be sitting there at eleven o'clock at night, pissed at a bunch of people, and then like if you're ever able to come down from it, you're like why am I giving Why that am person I energy that? at 11 at night? Mm-hmm. I need to be drinking my tea, Just chilling, like- <laughs> you know, whatever. Yes. How, how are they owning my emotions right now? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Well, that definitely, like, taking your power back with ritual, I've just found this, I just opened the, to this page, but this, this she had a quote about power. Um, and again, it's a, it was coming in a fuck the patriarchy part, but it's, it's bigger, it's that and bigger. Real power doesn't come from having a million followers, good hair, a Louis Vuitton purse, a new car, a new home, a title, a partner, or anything that can be weighed, measured, or acquired. Real power is the thing you've always had inside you. Real power doesn't need to be demonstrated or boasted. Real power is the ability to be in your skin, to know who you are, to know you will always be okay. Real power comes from your gut and your heart and your courage and your bravery and your love. Real power can never be taken away from you and never lost once it's found. It's the kind of power that people like Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks and the Dalai Lama all had or have. Equality within, unaffected by outer circumstances, an eternal flame that cannot be touched. I re- repeat Yogi Bhajan's words here. You are very powerful, provided you know how powerful you are. Yes, I love that. I was like, that's like a serious rallying cry and and I just think it's to 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 say fuck the patriarchy and to take back your power from all of those physical trappings that we have been told through the 80s and the 90s and the knots we've been living in this vacuum of deep power I feel like we've Mm -hmm. been told that we need all the shit to be happy to be strong to be worthy and and that vacuum and you, you know is why we're we we have right now trump and 
surveillance capitalism and all these and crazy addiction and and I'm excited for our next book club to do to read Benjamin Franklin. I realize that sounds yeah. funny as a as a fuck the patriarchy seg- segue, but he was all about virtue. And I was like, what the fuck? Why don't we talk about that anymore? Why don't we talk straight up about virtue? Because I feel like our moral evolution stopped like 300 years ago or even longer. Mm-hmm. And then our tech evolution is moving so fast that we've gotten to this point of having extreme moral and you know technological disconnect in terms of where we are how advanced we are well i think too like in the manufacture of need that um sort of was necessary for the whole cloud thing to take over in that it was very important for virtue to not be a part of it and it wasn't a conscious decision but it was a very fortuitous outcome it's like because nobody really is interested in virtues anymore and interested in self-policing. It allowed for the expansion of this crazy shit and just the wildest postings on Facebook and, you know, Instagram because we don't care. Anymore. Yeah. And there, we don't hold ourselves to any kind of standard. Of, yeah, of just like morality and, and virtue. And it sounds like maybe I'm just getting old, but like, because it sounds like, you know, there was something else moving me before that was there was love there and there was create creativity there but there's there's this real urge i have now to put first goodness mm-hmm. and and not self gratification and not we're just so obsessed with ourselves like not in the way of like loving taking care of ourselves but just in a way of like that holly's talking about but just in in there's never anything that we are like surrendering to or committing to that's bigger than ourselves. That's about like, no. you know, fellowship. There is, but it's just very, like, I just, well, I love so many of our staff. People. Yeah. Like I love our staff now. Like I, we have so many awesome people that work for us, but I just, I never, I feel like a lot of young people these days, like are 20, like we're just, they're just like, just super obsessed with themselves. Yeah, like, well, they they were. Is that really mean to say? I don't think so because we were born into this thing. You know, like you and I were born at the advent of this, and the people coming up now—that's all they've ever known. So, like, while well, I can still remember not having a, a cell phone and the ability to drop off the grid for hours and just do whatever and like learn about myself. So many people have never had that opportunity, and they don't even see it as a good thing. It's more its more terrifying to be alone with yourself. It's so. like on one hand, you have to be in yourself totally, in your actual true self, or as much as you can, in order to be there for other people, in order to even care about virtue. So it's, again, that small, big, or that, you know, it's, it's a sort of enlightened selfishness or something in order to... To realize that actually what feels better is, is to be of service and to love and to sustain. And, and that is just, I mean, we're talking about it in all these woo-woo, cha- like woo-woo areas, you know? Right. But I don't know. I, I want to go hard on it. I think it's like, I, I want to feel like my life is more about principles, more about goodness and certain like endear, enduring, like, I don't know. Well, I think that for myself, the way that I would sum it up is when I die, I would like people to remember 
who I am as a person by what I did for them, what they thought of me because of our relationship and the way that I made them feel, rather than the collection of really cringy posts that I've put on the internet since I was, you know, 19 or whatever. I think that's when I got Facebook. If you look back through the history of that, there's a lot of really terrifying and awful things that I have put out there that at the time seemed really great. And when I go back and read them, I'm like, these are awful. It's <laughs> so bad. And I feel so embarrassed about being that person at that time. And we also have to be allowed to change. Like right. she well, talks about to. this. That's a point in the book. But I think it's it's hard to be allowed to change when your past is constantly being thrown back in your face when you're yeah, well, when like, you've left a trace of it all across your whole lifetime. Wasn't you it know? Kevin Hart got um, pushed out of hosting um, the Grammys or something like that because of some tweets that he'd made five, ten years prior and they were unacceptable. And it's like in the context of the time, who he was as a person five years ago is not the person he is now. But that will forever now be associated with his name. That's how that's sphere. who he is. That that virtual being is more real to people than his real being. Right. And that feels like a metaphor for what's happening to our world right now. It's getting eaten by yeah. digitalia. And I've I've slowly backed away, like even to the point where I used to just write my ramblings and use uh, Instagram as a way to um, express myself and my writing. And I've backed away from that because even there, I'm like, one, it's not really edited. Two, it's going to be there forever in this little box. And I've moved so far away from where that was a month ago to where I am now. And I don't necessarily want that. Yeah. Like if I'm going to be curating pieces of myself to give to the world, I'd much rather have that be a piece of writing that I've spent a lot of time on and then given the world or a drawing that I've spent a lot of time on and then given the world. I remember reading something about how Facebook was doing this thing where it would be like this time last year. I mean, I think it still does that. It still does that. And, and, and that it was really fucking with people and they hated it because the way that our memory works is we remember how we remember. And so we're constantly kind of, you know, squishing things down into these, you know, striated, you know, memory sort of block bricks, right? Uh-huh. It's like excavate. It's, it's, it's not perfect memory, you know, oh, no, and we don't actually want to, and, and that's not the point of memory really to have perfect recall. Right. That there's like, and so, people were really kind of pained by seeing exactly where they were a year yes. ago and being shown this this sort of, I don't know, antiseptic and perfect, exact characterization of this is where you were a year ago as opposed to letting someone code that into the sort of nuanced, fuzzy, emotional, sensual, tactile memory block you know well I think our memories are often yeah more emotional than they are Mm -hmm. reality because when I look at um say eight years ago right after a breakup I remember being in a lot of pain and I remember a lot of uh self-growth happening but if I look at that time machine of Facebook I have a bunch of horrible little Wayne quotes (laughs) what I was putting up there trying to act all hard because I felt really broken down and hurt and as I'm looking at those, I'm like, oh, my God. 
this is so embarrassing. Yeah, well, that's not your truth. Like, but that's... the truth of it, yeah, for me, it's like that's where the self-discovery began. That's where the impetus for moving came from, all of this. And so I remember this as being a really good, informative time in my life. And then I look at the physical record of it, and I'm like, yep, yeah, that's a terrible person right there. I just I hate the Avery of, you know, 2008, you say. It's bad, bad time to be an Avery. Well, we should probably get wrapped up here because we've been yammering forever. Oh, How, yeah. I should probably. You got to go pick up to Noli. Picking up the kiddo. Okay. Um, well, let's keep doing this, man. Our oh, next absolutely. one, we can either do Brenda Eulen, if you want to write, and Stephen King next, I was thinking. I'm down. I'm halfway through the Stephen King. Um, okay. That's sadly been like taking a back burner to everything else. It's yeah. Like, well, no, yeah. but that book is, I kind of read it in pieces too. I've read it twice now. I love that book. I really, I really do enjoy it. And, um, weirdly enough, I don't read Stephen King. I have not read, embarrassingly, I've not read, he, that's just not the kind of thing that I read because I don't like books that scare the shit out of me like that. And I, like, right. may, maybe I need to, but I think he's so funny I, there's a lot that's really freaking funny in, in his on writing book and I didn't know if that was a care if he's funny in his his novels the sad thing is is for me I I've only tried to read Cujo and I read a little bit of it appreciated it decided that that wasn't for me and I haven't read any of his other works I really respect where he's been and come he, from and then reading this book I'm like dang I, I actually so, want to read more of his stuff yeah because he's hilarious and I'm interested. Yeah, he's. It's just such a sweet book. And then Brenda Eulen's book is from like the '80s, and the like. I think she actually wrote it in the '30s, and then it was republished in the '80s. And she's just a sweetheart. It's not in print anymore, but we've sold we've sold like reprints of it at Modern, and it's awesome. Um, so I think reading those two together would be really cool. And it's almost like a spiritual text. Hers is, and so is everything kind of that talks about yeah. actual change. You yeah, know, like, totally. and I think that's a good way to end is just, I love, you know, she's really, I love the idea of being empowered to make a deeper shift that then can, and, and, and she's unabashedly spiritual in that regard. And we didn't get, you know, got a little bit into that, but just that, that kind of change, I think is the only way to have, I mean... And by spiritual, it doesn't mean believing in God. It means in something underneath, something that's tectonic. Yeah. You know, about the nature of being and the nature, the, the awareness of awareness. Instead of just on the surface of things, trying to diddle around with, you know, not changing your thoughts, not changing how you think about things, not changing the belief systems, not changing the, the way you look at the world, just trying to change, you know, how you fit together the blocks Right. That's never going to do shit, you know, really. Yeah. You're going to yeah. end up coming out in the same place and with a different set of circumstances slightly, but not really anything sub like transcendently different. No. So. Yeah, trying to understand the objective truth of reality. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. Or the, a total mystery of it, at least. And right, even just sitting yeah. with the crazy mystery of it, you know. And being I'm, okay with it. Yeah. That's yeah. the hard part. <laughs> Well, most people try to escape and that's what we're all trying to do is not sit with the mystery. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, we've got 35, 34 more days of the spiritual journey that we are on. So let's, let's do it. Awesome. Super down. Cool. Absolutely badass. See ya, buddy. Peace.
What? 